Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let me read one verse of Scripture. One verse of Scripture to kind of set the stage for what I want to talk to you in Sunday school about this afternoon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you. Now, I don't know what you understand about this word beseech, but uh, I think it means that Paul is saying uh, this is important. In fact, somebody said you could insert for the word beseech, you could replace that with the word beg. Let's do that. We beg you, brethren, and exhort you. By the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound or do that more and more. I want to talk to you today about pleasing God, pleasing God. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's uh, turn forward a little bit in our Bibles to the book of Colossians. Read a couple of more verses to set the stage for this subject today. Another one of Paul's uh, letters that he wrote to the Colossians, chapter number 1 and verse number 9. Chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul here writing to a different group of people, a different church, uh, the church at Colossae. Uh, First of all, he said it in his letter to the Thessalonians. And now he says it again to the group at Colossians. It's important that we please the Lord. And this is what Paul is saying here. Uh, In fact, living for God, I believe, means that we make it our goal every day to do that. Every day we ought to seek to please the Lord. Uh, It's kind of like. Um, well, I was going to say boyfriend and girlfriend. I'll just say lovers. Have you ever seen two people in love, uh, how that they focus on one another and their attention is drawn to one another, uh, sometimes to the point that uh, it excludes everything else and everybody else. And uh, I guess sometimes that could be a problem. But lovers enjoy making each other happy, don't they? So our love for God uh, should cause us to do that, to do everything possible to please the Lord. I believe Jesus deserves that. He deserves our complete devotion because it's impossible for us to ever match what he's done for us It's impossible for us to love him like he has loved us. He's proven 
his love for us. The greatest act of love that ever took place in the universe was when Jesus died for us at Calvary's cross. Aren't you grateful for that today? The Bible speaks of a woman who had this intense desire to please Jesus. And uh, it's found in Luke chapter 7. Uh, I'm not going to go there and read it verbatim. But it talks about this lady who loved Jesus so much that she took a precious box of ointment. Uh, now, I don't know if it was oil of some kind uh, or if it was in a, a paste. It probably was in a liquid form. But we do know this. It was very valuable. And she took this ointment that was extremely valuable and she did something with it that the people watching there couldn't understand. And, uh, in fact, they criticized her for it. But she took this uh, ointment and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And after she poured it on his feet, she began to wash his feet using that ointment as the liquid to wash his feet with. And she used her hair. She used her, and instead of getting a rag or uh, a washcloth or some other kind of uh, item, she, she used her hair to wash Jesus' feet with this expensive ointment. And uh, the people who were there that day probably understood a lot better what was going on and what that woman was trying to say by her actions than we perhaps in our modern society because, you know, as time goes by, customs change, and it was the custom in that day when someone came into the house, um, I guess their streets were dirty and dusty. They didn't have nice concrete or asphalt streets to walk on, and so it was a custom whenever you walked into the house, first thing most people did was have their feet washed. I guess some people washed their own feet, and some people uh, were well off enough. They had servants in the house who did that job for them, but walking around the dusty, dirty streets of the city, when they walked into someone's house, whether it was their own or somebody else, they didn't want to mess it up, so they had their feet washed. And this lady showed by pouring out this expensive ointment to use instead of water and soap and then using her hair to wash the feet of Jesus. She was making a statement, folks. She was making a statement that uh, she wanted Jesus to understand. She may not have cared about what anybody else thought. Obviously, she didn't. But she wanted Jesus to understand how she felt about him, that she thought he was important enough, first of all, to make sure his feet got washed that was a custom, and then she did it in such an expensive way. It was like giving an offering. That's what you could call it because this ointment cost so much money. And then the Bible says that when this happened, Jesus gave this woman uh, his attention, and he forgave her sins. Now, we may not think, you know, very much about that, but... Uh, that's what the woman needed. That's what she obviously wanted. And it was a great moment there. So there are a lot of people in the Bible that joined this woman throughout its history in really uh, gaining special recognition. We get uh, 
our attention drawn to them because they had a desire to please God. It's important to have that desire. People like Enoch and Noah, Abraham, David, Jacob, Hezekiah, Daniel, the apostles, and the list goes on and on, people in the Bible who wanted to please God and thereby let us know that that's an important thing that we should consider. Well, how do we please God? I believe we please God the same way we please other folks in this life. In this regard, we find out what he likes and do it. We find out what God wants and do it. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must believe, first of all, that he is, and secondly, must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you love God, you are going to have a desire to please him. And if you're going to do that, first of all, you've got to find out what that is, find out what he desires, what makes him happy. Uh, I was praying uh, one time, this has been a few years ago, and the Lord just kind of dropped into my mind uh, a revelation, I think. may not mean much to you, but to me, it was like turning on the light in a pitch black room. And that was this, that I ought to love God enough and love God in such a way that I love him, you listening, the way he wants me to love him. Wow. Have you ever known of this happening, whether it was you or somebody else? Uh, maybe it was you. You loved somebody, and you did things for them. Uh, you tried to uh, let them know how much you love them by expressing your love, perhaps in, in certain ways, only to find out later that the way you were expressing your love to them really didn't mean as much to them as you thought it should or as you thought it did. What's your point, Pastor? Well, my point is when you love God, just like when you love somebody else, what's the point in loving them in the way that you think that you should love them if that's really not the way they want you to love them? There are some people who are just naturally givers. That's their, maybe you've heard this term before, love language. Uh, and they show their love for others by giving. And then there's other people that uh, that's not really how they express love and affection for other folks. They do it uh, by writing or by speaking out their love. Everybody has different ways of showing their love for others. I really think it's important that if you love somebody, especially God, that you need to love him the way he wants to be loved. There was an old song, and sometimes it convicts me when I remember the words and say this to the Lord, but it really is true. Uh, I want to be loved, uh, or I want to love in the way that he wants me to love him. I want to be loved by you. 
but not your way. I want to be loved my way. And we're all selfish like that, aren't we? So what does God desire? How does he want to be loved? To make God happy with us, we've got to know what pleases him. And so he gave us some instructions. The Bible. He gave us his word to reveal to us what is important to him. Isn't that neat? And so as we try to please him, we can, we can really prove to him our love, our devotion, our commitment to him by loving him the way he wants us to. And as we go through this relationship with God and we uh, commit to him and give to him our heart and love to him, you know what happens? We get blessed in return. That's the way God set this whole thing up to work. Uh, so we need to do it God's way. Put up 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Again, the Apostle Paul writing, he points out something important. He says, no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, so that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What is this saying? When somebody goes uh, off and joins the army. Brother Jim, you were a Marine, weren't you? When you join the Marine Corps, whether it's by your choosing or not, uh, you're in for them, not for you. You're in it to, uh, to please your superiors and to get the job done, whatever they want done, their way, not what you want to do. Am I correct? I think the military really serves as a good example of this. Paul says it's the same way when we join the army of God. We're not in it to please ourselves. We're in it to please him. So how do we do that? Number one, first way to please God. He really likes this. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Put it down as number one. God desires our praise, our devotion, and our worship. Now, if you're going to walk with God and have a relationship with God, you're going to have to figure something out. You're going to have to come to the realization, first of all, that you're not going to get wet because we've got a nice roof over our heads. But you're going to have to reach the point <clears throat> where you realize that you need to serve God the way he wants you to serve him. Uh, and he wants you to commit to him and to follow him and serve him and honor him his way. And the way that he likes for that to happen is through praise and worship. And you're going to have to, if you're going to walk with God in the right way and, and for it to work the way God intended for it to work, this thing of us having a relationship with him as we go through life and then eternity, we're going to have to understand something. And that is God not only likes praise and worship, but he deserves it. Now... <clears throat> I, I say that because um, sometimes in our humanity, 
we have a problem. I know I do. I have a problem when I'm around somebody who wants to have all the spotlight, somebody who wants to uh, be praised and, and, and looked up to all the time, and somebody, uh, perhaps in my book, they don't deserve it, but they think they're the cat's meow. Boy, that goes way back, doesn't it? Let me rephrase that, Brother David, for some of the young folk here. Uh, that's, uh, they think that they're all that. How's that? They think that there's something else. You know, the Bible says something real interesting. It says that we ought not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Okay. Uh, I've known some people that will put you in your place real quick. Sometimes that's a good thing. So we've got to understand God likes to be worshipped. He likes to be praised. He loves it. And he's the only one really that's worthy of that. He's the only one worthy of all the praise, all the glory, all the honor for everything good that has ever happened or will ever happen in your and my life. God gets all the credit for it. So let's get that under our, our belt spiritually. We need to understand that this relationship with God, if we want to please him, we're going to love him by praising him and worshiping him and living a life of praise where we do it all the time, not just at church, but uh, every day, all day. So God desires our praise and our worship. Amen. He desires a consecrated totally submitted and yielded life to him. David said this. He said, you didn't desire sacrifice, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, or I would give it. You don't delight in burnt offering. Now, he, God had told his people to worship him that way with, with killing animals and offering a, a, a blood sacrifice to him as a form of worship. But we know that that was just for the Old Testament. That's really not what he liked. In fact, it's amazing. David kind of was a man born out of time. He, he was born in the Old Testament where they worshiped God after the Old Testament tabernacle plan of worship by bringing an animal to the priest, and the priest would kill that animal, drain its blood, and do different things with it. But that really wasn't what turned God on. That really wasn't what made God happy. David said, I know that, God. Uh, in fact, he said, I, I, I've reached a point where if I really understood that you wanted sacrifice, I'd do that. But he goes on to say, you don't desire sacrifice. You don't desire, desire burnt offering. But the sacrifices, God, that you like are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So real worship. How many know you can worship God with just lip service, just by saying the words? It's not the words, although words are important. It's important that we praise God uh, using words sometimes, but that's really not what is important to God. It's what is coming from the heart. 
what our heart is saying and feeling towards God. So uh, without having that in your heart, genuine feelings of love and, and devotion, then your worship becomes trite. It becomes empty. Uh, Paul said it like this, it becomes as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, you're just playing instruments, uh, beating the drum or the cymbal, and that's all it is, is sound. But Jesus said this, put it up please, John 4 and 23, the hour is here, cometh, and now is, when true worshipers, this is the kind of worshipers God's looking for, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such. He's looking for that kind of worshiper to worship him. God is looking for those who worship him because they love him. Now, I know that some of this seems uh, rhetorical or uh, maybe this is love, God, love of God 101 and you say, Pastor, I already know all this. Maybe somebody watching online is needing to uh, be instructed in this. I don't know. But uh, somebody needs to hear this. It is deep in your heart that God wants to find how you really feel about him. It's deep in your heart, those hidden thoughts that you have. If, if deep in your heart you love him and you match that with what's on the outside as you speak praise to him, then that makes God happy. Amen. Uh, rather than worshiping the Lord like the Pharisees did, what did he say? He said, they're near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We don't need to be like that. God wants our lips and our heart to match, to be identical. He desires our worship to be genuine from our spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit. That means coming from the spirit that God gave us deep within. So when a person really loves God and he wants to please God, uh, then that that longing to do so is going to affect every part of your life. It, it really will. Uh, the attitude of loving and trusting God is going to affect your thought life. It's going to affect your inner feelings. It's going to uh, affect how you make choices and decisions. Really, how you live your life is going to show what kind of love you really have for God. Uh, I guess the person who said it this way was right. Whatever's on the inside is going to come out on the outside. So you want to make sure the right stuff is on the inside so that the right stuff is displayed on the outside. Now, Paul talks to the church at Galatians, uh, and he talks about things that... Uh, might be on the inside that are not pleasing to God. Uh, let's start with verse 19 of chapter 5 of Galatians. Uh, the acts of the flesh or a sinful nature are obvious. They are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord. That means not getting along, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions or divisions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, next verse tells us what God does like to be on the inside. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, it's not against the law to do these things. In fact, it's what God likes. So those who belong to Jesus have crucified their sin nature with its passion and with its desires. So not only should our attitude be right, that's something on the inside, but our actions, our appearance, the things that show up on the outside, that needs to be pleasing to God too. If we love him, uh, we need to have attitudes of, here's a, a special word, godliness. And godliness just means being like God. God wants us to be like him. You say, well, I, I'm not God. I can never be God. I, I can never live up to that. No, nobody's God but God. But he wants us to take upon ourselves, if we love him, and live out the attributes that he has, his character, his integrity, uh, his thoughts. And so that is what is pleasing to God. Uh, the word conversation in the King James Bible really means behavior. So you'll see uh, a lot of references, especially in the New Testament, to our uh, conversation that, that really isn't talking about what's coming out of our mouth, but it means behavior. Uh, for instance, Philippians says, only let your conversation or behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, I didn't give Brother Terry all of these because uh, I didn't want to snow him under. So I'm going to read some of these that won't be on the screen. This is Philippians 1. Paul says, whether I come and see you or be absent from you, that I may hear of your uh, affairs, I want you to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation. Again, that means behavior, how we behave, in charity or love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Hebrews 13 says, let your conversation or behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. James chapter 3 says, who is a wise man and has knowledge among you? Then he answers his own question. It's someone who out of the good conversation or behavior of his works shows meekness and wisdom. First Peter chapter 1, Peter said, But as he which hath called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of conversation or behavior. And then Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 11. I believe we have that one. Seeing then that all things, all these things, shall be dissolved. In other words, this world and the things of this world are going to pass away. He said, knowing that, 
What manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation? That means behavior and godliness. Again, what does the word godliness mean? Godly, it means being like God, having his character and his thoughts. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. How many know that when you're saved, you become a new creature in Christ? You don't live like you used to live. You don't talk like you used to talk, pleasing your flesh, but you live differently in a way that pleases the Lord. And he tells us here, these verses I'm reading, tell us how he wants us to live in such a way that's pleasing to him. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Let him that steal, uh, let him, him that stole, steal no more. Uh, but rather, let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't let junk come out of your mouth, because remember, what's on the inside will come out. So we want that which is good to be inside, and that which is good to come out. He said, speak that which is good to the use of edifying. Or building one another up, not putting others down. That's not pleasing to God. That it may minister grace unto one another. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. When there are things that are in you and coming out of you that are not pleasing to God, that are opposed to godliness and what God wants us to be saying and living, then that displeases God. He doesn't like that. It grieves him. And uh, if you've got the Holy Ghost, then that Holy Ghost inside of you, what is that? That's simply a part of the Spirit of God. Tiny little portion. The Bible calls it the earnest of our inheritance or the down payment of what we're going to get when we get to heaven. In this life, God gives us just a little bit, just a down payment, a tiny portion of his spirit. The Bible calls it the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Uh, as you read in the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost was poured out upon people several times. It's a good thing for you to let the Holy Ghost be poured out on you. And that Spirit of God living inside of you will affect how you live. And it will hopefully lead and guide you to live the way God wants you to live, displaying the things, uh, the fruit of the Spirit and the good things and godliness and things that are pleasing to God, not the opposite. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Turn to somebody and say, I forgive you. God doesn't like grudges. Thank you, sister. I'm going to say it again so you can say amen if you didn't the first time. God doesn't like us holding grudges. 
He can't stand it. It's the exact opposite of being who and what God wants us to be and living like he wants us to live. He wants us to be like him and forgive everybody that does anything against us that we don't like. Whether it's real, whether they really did do something they shouldn't have, or perceived. How many know that sometimes you get offended at somebody because they did something you didn't like, and uh, how many realize that sometimes they really didn't do it? Or what they did, you really shouldn't have got upset about. Either way, God doesn't like it. He wants us to forgive. God doesn't like grudges. He doesn't like us holding on to grudges. But be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God loved you so much and forgave you of anything and everything you've ever done wrong so much that he died so he could forgive you. He died and shed his blood so that that blood could cover your sins that you need to be forgiven. Isn't that great? So nobody, none of us has any excuse for not forgiving anybody and what they may have done to us. There is nothing that you have the right to hold as a grudge in your heart against somebody because of what they did or what they said or what they should have said and didn't say and should have done and didn't do. <clears throat> All right. Uh, did you know that we are human beings? How many is human today? As a human being, it is natural for us to express what's going on on the inside. Most of the time, we can't forever keep it hidden. It's going to come out most of the time. Now, some people get good at hiding how they really feel or what really is going on on the inside. But sooner or later, most of the time, it's going to come out. And we, it's just in our nature to express our, our, our thinking, our inner thoughts, our self-esteem, what we think about ourselves, did you know sooner or later that's going to come out? On the outside, we're going to express that through our conduct and through our appearance. People who don't think very highly of themselves uh, sometimes show that in how they dress. They don't think very much about how they look and their appearance. That's just what, what is on the inside coming out on the outside? So when we behave like Jesus wants us to in a way that pleases him, uh, and when we dress in a way that's pleasing to him, then what we are doing is we are testifying, we are being a witness that because we belong to God and we're his child, then we've got a good life, and God blesses us, and doesn't always go our way. But uh, what kind of a Christian testimony do you think it presents 
when you're always down in the mully grubs and complaining and moaning and groaning. Somebody looks at that and says, yeah, I want what they've got, not. So we need to be careful that, first of all, we are on the inside what God wants us to be, and that is why we need to be renewed day by day in the Holy Ghost because our flesh nature comes against us and grabs us every day, day by day. So God wants us to be healed on the inside. He wants us to be holy on the inside. He wants us to be whole in the Lord. And we pass through life uh, representing God and representing what he's done in our lives, the, the work of grace in our life. And we go through life expressing to everybody else what God has or hasn't done to us through our external appearance, through our clothing, through the look on our face, through our disposition, uh, through our mood. Oh, everybody's getting quiet now. Our clothing and our attitude both should represent godliness and righteousness and modesty. Uh, I've got to move on. So first, the first thing that we do to show that we want to please God is we worship Him and we praise Him. The second thing that we do is realize and give ourselves to the fact that God wants to have a growing relationship with us. Uh, think about it. Any relationship that you've ever been in, if it was a good one, it was growing. And most of the time when a relationship stops growing, in other words, the two individuals involved stop becoming uh, stop showing their love to each other, stop showing their feelings to each other, then that means the relationship is probably having problems. Healthy relationships have got to grow or they will die. And God wants us to relate to Him and understand Him a little bit more today than we did yesterday. And God wants us to know more about Him and be closer to Him this week than we were last week, and so on. And every day that passes, God wants us to be growing in His Word and growing in His grace. If a person ever reaches a point where he is not feeling the desire or the need <clears throat> to grow more in God, then that means trouble is around the corner. Because if we reach a point where we're not compelled to grow more in God, then we can develop uh, the wrong attitudes. We can develop an independent uh, attitude, and that insults the Lord. God wants us to depend on Him. And He wants us to tell everybody we know that we depend on Him and that we've got to have Him in our life. 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible warns, wherefore, I uh, mentioned this a while ago, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Sister Edwards, I guess you can go ahead and come.
to the keyboard. What pleases God? Did you know God wants you to be right? He wants you to be right with Him. It's like owning up to something when you, uh, something you did wrong when you were a kid. God wants you to admit when you did something wrong. That means repent, ask His forgiveness, and get back to being right. That's the neat thing about God. You can make mistakes, and God knows how to handle and take care of those mistakes. He knows how to fix our blunders. He knows how to fix us when we break, whether it's, you know, we just slipped up and it, it, it came up. You know, we got tempted and something happened. We said something or did something uh, almost unawares where we really didn't see it coming. God can fix that thing. He can take that situation and cover it with his blood. Or, you know, we went into it willfully and said, you know what? I'm, I'm wanting to do this right now. I want to argue with this person. I'm wanting to put them in their place because they've insulted me and they're wrong and I'm right. And I want them to know that they're wrong and I'm right. And we follow up on that and do it. God can take situations like that if we allow him to by saying we're sorry and fully repenting and covering that with his blood. Praise God. God wants you to be right, but he wants you to be right his way. God wants you to be real, not plastic. God knows everything in your heart, every thought you've ever had or ever will have. You cannot hide anything from God. You might as well be totally, completely honest with God every time you talk to Him in every way, in every part of your life. Just, just be honest with God. He wants you to do that. God wants you to be faithful. God wants you to be faithful, consistent. God wants us to have consistency. That's the key in our serving God. Rather, rather than bouncing from cold one day and hot the next to cold the next to hot the next, that's not pleasing to God. Rather than that, God wants us to be steady, stable, faithful, serving God day by day in a regular, faithful routine. So regular habits that should be a part of our life Daily Bible reading, daily prayer, daily testifying. You need to talk to at least one person every day about the goodness of God. Why, Pastor? Because it's good for you. It's good for your relationship with God. God wants you to be compassionate. Let's stand together. Now, remember, God loves you and me more than we could ever, well, I'm going to back up on that, more than we could ever comprehend in this life. Now, I don't know about the life to come. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, he says, when we get over on the other side, I'm paraphrasing, he said, we're going to see as we are seeing now, we're going to know as we are known now. How many know God knows everything about you? 
I don't know how much we're going to be able to comprehend the love of God when we get to heaven and we're with him and see him face to face. But I know for me and for you too, if you're honest, right now, I could never begin to comprehend how much God loves me. And you're in the same boat. So what that means is we ought to love God with everything we've got. We ought to do our best to do it God's way. First of all, yield to him to fill us with the Holy Ghost so that we can live with the Spirit leading us and guiding us and helping us to please him in every part of our life. If that's your desire, I want you to bow your head right now and pray that prayer with me as we close this Sunday school hour. God, we love you today. I thank you for your presence that's in this place. Lord, I know that every person under the sound of my voice has at least some kind of a desire to please you. And that's what we've been talking about today, God, pleasing you. Would you help us to do that, Lord? Help us to do it better than we've ever done it before. Help us to get in the book, in your word, and find out what pleases you and what doesn't, and then live our lives accordingly. Help us, God, to spend time with you in prayer talking to you and letting your presence and your spirit make us like you want us to be. Praise God. We need your help. Amen. I, I'm going to ask you to, you know, I, I'll lead you in prayer, but, but would you pray instead of listening to me pray right now? Come on, pray what I've been praying if you think that's a good thing to do. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.